What's going on, Say Aloud Podcast, to all my returners, all my new people, and somebody who just clicked on this and said, let me find out what this is about. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to Say It Loud. Make sure you guys click the subscribe button on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, or even Spotify, and coming soon to a theater near you, YouTube. But until then, as we continue on through Women's History Month, kick back and relax and listen to another great episode of Say It Loud. I see pride. Say it loud. Pod, 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 what is going on, Say Aloud Podcast? This is your host, Jordan Hunter, and this is another episode of the greatest and the latest Say It Loud. We are on the go. We're actually on the go, on the way to the airport, but I wanted to make sure to not only get time to sit down with this amazing young woman, but I wanted to give her her flowers in person, and I hate to do things, and I hate to do podcast interviews over the phone or the internet. No shade, but when you have the opportunity to take advantage of it. So without further ado, born and raised in the great state of Georgia, performing arts, and now she's within her passion of continuing the advocacy of changing kids and adults, mindsets and approaches to aquatic education. Mrs. Taj Omari. What's good? What's happening? How you doing today? Wow, I'm good. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. You know, this is a really dope impromptu because we get to ride through your city. <laughs> we driving through Atlanta as we speak. As we speak, and I think that's a really dope thing. Um, but you know, uh, you know, a few people did see this uh, live, or you know, saw the reason why I got to come out here. But I wanted them to, you know, really meet not only one of the founders, but give them an idea of what you do and make sure that we can stay in contact with you out here. So, first and foremost, young lady, Ow. you know what I'm saying. Born and raised out here in the great state. ATLian. ATLian by by heart, by nature. Now, when we say that, I know I know what it means now, but um, explain what it means. What part? Yeah, like what like what part do you claim? Now, I'm I am from from the Gucci side of ATL. Like I was born and raised off Gresham Road, Bouldercrest, like East Atlanta, straight up Zone Six. East Atlanta. Okay, okay. East Atlanta, Santa. <laughs> Literally. 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 Okay, okay. And when you, I guess, see it in television, you, you hear about it in songs, um, and you lived it, mm-hmm. you know, I guess growing up compared to now, like how much it's televised and marketed is like the cool place to be and this and that, you know, how do you feel about that? I mean, it, it kind of is what it is because I see the televised part of Atlanta. I see, you know, the the Atlanta Housewives, the Hip Hop Atlanta, all of that is real. It exists out here in this city, but mm. that's not all of Atlanta. It's not all of Atlanta at all. Atlanta has a lot of different hubs where a lot of different cultures kind of mingle. You know, we're a metropolitan city, so everybody kind of comes out here and everybody can find their home in this here city. So, like, 
what's put on the media is just one facet, just one aspect of ATL life. Mm. But you don't have to live that. Like, I don't... Like, the fact that I'm born and raised in Atlanta and don't have a fat ass would, like, shock somebody who's, you know what I'm saying, like, never been to Atlanta. Because they think all women in Atlanta have fat asses because that's what's on the TV. The stereotypes, that's, yeah. Exactly. But it's not true. Mm. It's just not. I it's feel just that. not true. Now, now, speaking about what you see on TV versus, you know, what, uh, I guess, you, you see in real life. We kind of talked about this a little bit about how things like the Trap Museum mm-hmm. are very big. And now it's being like commercialized, you know, they're they're making money off of it because people are, you know, flying in or driving in, you know, to see a quote unquote museum of black art, black history, but more importantly, like, you know, the the struggles um that, that people had to to grind to get out of. A lot of artists, you know, talk about it in their music. Um, have you gone to the Trap Museum? I have. Okay. I've been to it and it was an interesting experience because this is the first time I've seen my demographic represented in a museum. So it's like I saw things that I've seen at my grandma's house, at my partner them house, at, you know, just just being in Atlanta that you see it was in a museum. And that was a first. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Imagine your culture being put in a museum and your culture is currently thriving. You're still living this lifestyle. You know what I'm saying? But then you see it in a museum, it's a different perspective. And you can either take it as, like, appreciation. Like, oh, they are, you know, they've made artwork out of my lifestyle. Cool, if that's how you see it. But I can also see it on the flip of, like, you're capitalizing off Mm. of my lifestyle. And that's not okay because this is literally how I live. Mm. It's literally so. Yeah. And and so to, to go off of that, and like you said, like, growing up around it, seeing it, you know, and I guess like uh, continuing to, to live here, uh, what made you stay in state for college versus, you know, like leaving or, you know? So what kept me in Atlanta, and this is my honest to God answer, was the black people. Because mm. I have been, I've traveled. You know, I'm a... Seasonal traveler. I'm a seasonal, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been out the country. I've, I used to live in Italy. It's I've done a lot of random things. But I always find my home in Atlanta because it's where my people are. And I, I only feel comfortable around my own. No disrespect to any other demographic. But I'm quite sure that if you ask an Asian person who they feel most comfortable around, it's going to be their family. You ask a Hispanic person who they feel most comfortable around, it's going to be their family. And so when I see another black person, I call them my brother, my sister, because y'all my family. If we in America, like we've been through this same struggle, we here. Mm. We more than likely got the same ancestors. We here. You my family. You my boy. You my boy. So you I just feel, I feel closer to my own and no other city that I've been to. And I've been to Chocolate City. I've been to, uh, well, actually, I haven't been to uh, Houston. I heard Houston was another one. With a bunch of black folk. Houston's lit. I'm going to go see Houston. I'm going to go see about Houston. But I haven't been to another city that had the richness and blackness Mm. as I've seen here. Mm. I feel that. Um, And so, you know, you stayed in state, uh, went to college, and then... Talking about it a little bit, you say you lived overseas. Was that was that for fun? Was that graduation? Like, nah. how, how did that come about? So I went to Georgia State University. Like, I literally never left ATL. But um, I went to Georgia State and I finished my my credits. I finished my psychology credits. That's my degree. Um, Shout out. 
right? I finished those, but I still had electives left over. And so I was like, well, I'm not finna... What a, you know, I could take whatever I want. <laughs> and so I decided, I was like, oh, I like Italian food. I'm going to Italy. That is on God how that happened. <laughs> and I got all of my credits in Italy. Mm. I finished college in Italy. Like, how lit was that? So did you walk in Italy or, or like, no, or not walk? No, I walked in right? Atlanta. I, okay. I graduated, but I put those air quotes around it because I still had credits left over. So I walked across the stage. My family saw me turn up, whoop, 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 whoop. But then I went to Italy for uh, the summer, for gotcha. the summer months. And I finished out my degree program at the University Universidad de Perugia. I think I said that correctly. It's been a long time. Shout ago. out. But I finished my credits out in Perugia, and I got all Italian credits. So I can say a few Italian phrases. If you would have asked me six years ago when I was in Italy, I could probably have a full conversation in, in Italian with you. But... It's been a long time. It's been a little bit. It's been a little <laughs> it's bit. It's been a long time, and I don't have anybody Italian to talk to in Atlanta because, you know, black folk. It's, yeah, it's not, always, it's not always one of the first other languages that you might learn right. outside of English. Maybe Spanish. Yeah. But not Italian. Um, so then you came back, uh-huh. um, you know, not figuring it out, but, you know, like, really just how do I dive into what I want to use psychology for uh-huh. um, and getting into that world of what's next, you know, what kind of mindset does that go to into... What happened? What what happens next? You know, like I'm, I'm a college graduate. Uh-huh. This is twenty. I'm not going to date you. Okay, so 2015. 2015. You know, I'm a college graduate, and now it's like, all right, what's next? You know, what was that? What so was that mindset? For me, um, when I came back to Atlanta, I was focused on getting a job in my field, mm. and so I ended up getting a job at a mental hospital for children, and it was the most traumatic blessing of my life. It was a blessing because I got to work in my field. I got to see schizophrenics, bipolar dementias. Like I got to see a lot of maladaptive behaviors played out in front of me. Maladaptive, great word choice. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm in grad school. (laughs) (laughs) I got to see a lot of the psychoses that I would study in my books in person. But I also got to see how the system fails people with mental disabilities, Mm. how the system does not take care of your mental fitness the way that they would consider your physical fitness. It's a huge disparity. And I also got to see how as an employee in a highly aggressive environment like a hospital where like you can't, you know, it's open 24 seven. So like holidays somebody has to work somebody always has to be with these these people because it's a hospital and I I got to witness how the employees are taken advantage of it's the company does not care about you as the employee they only care about the money Mm. they barely cared about the patients it's the system they only cared about the insurance clearing they it was it was awful my issue at the hospital was not the patients. I knew going in that they were going to be crazy. Mm-hmm. I was at a mental hospital, you know? Yeah. But I thought that the administration would have my back. I thought that when I was attacked physically, mentally, verbally, emotionally, sexually, like when these patients attacked us, that we would have the support of our administration. And that's not the truth because of the insurance. Because of the insurance. Yeah. And so how do you take something like that um, and, you know, 
kind of jumping into where we're at now in 20, I guess you could say 2021, um, but a little bit before 2021, how did you get into your actual love for like lifeguarding and water? So, um, cause that's what a, we care about. Right. Facts, facts, facts. When I was a child, um, I was, I was one of those like out the womb swimmers, you know what I mean? Like I, facts. I never took swim lessons. Um, what happened was I was born with a really abnormal bone disorder in my hips. And so... Can you say that name, too, by, by any The chance? name of the disorder? Yeah. No. Some okay. orthopedic blah, 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 Got blah, you. Blah. Well, you're really good at long-syllabled words, so... I am? Yeah. Appreciate that. Mal- I already forgot the other word we were talking about. Maladaptive? Maladaptive. Yeah, Maladaptive. That's a psych word. That's know? crazy. But anyways... But, um, no, I don't know the word. This happened to me when I was 16 months old. Mm. Um, but I was... In layman's turn, I, terms, I was extremely bow-legged. Extremely bow-legged to where, like, my... My legs looked like parentheses and my feet were flipped over because mm-hmm. they were growing the way my legs were shaped. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wasn't able to walk. I had to get metal plates put in my hips and I had to wear a cast for six months of my infancy. Um, my parents are, have always been like big on physical fitness, like you know, working out, being healthy. And so they took us to the YMCA all the time. But the only place I could be with my condition was the pool. And so I'd be in the pool, just in that bit, just, <laughs> just in the pool. And so I grew up in the pool. I learned how to move my legs. I learned how to walk because I got more like uh, being in the pool and increased the range of motion in my hips after the surgery. So, um, I want to say by the time I was six, my big brother said, well, Taj loved the pool so much. Let's see if she can actually swim. And he launched me into the deep end. <laughs> and um, I swam. It's not funny, but yes. No, it it's is. not. Because for a lot of people, that's traumatizing. Right. It's traumatizing. But for me, it was affirming mm. that, oh, you can swim. You can do this. Yeah. And I haven't looked back. I literally, you know how people walk on a track team? Yeah. I literally swam onto the swim team. I swam by the lifeguard stand, happened to be the coach in the seat. And he was like, how do you know how to do that? And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. And then he put me on the swim team. I was a beast. In fact, my, my nickname on the swim team was Little Monster because I was tiny, but I never, I never lost a race. Um, and so I loved it. But I didn't know that I wanted aquatics to be my career field until I went to that mental hospital. Mm. I didn't know that a black woman could excel in aquatics because I hadn't seen it before. And so I went to college doing something that just interests me, psychology. Right? I'm like, I like psychology, so that's what I'm going to get my degree in. That's how I'm going to build my career. But... I ended up leaving the mental hospital because it made me crazy. Like, I was depressed. I was almost suicidal working at that place. And I had no support whatsoever. And so the day I quit, I went back to the pool. And I rehabilitated myself just like I did when I was 16 months old. Right. I went back to the pool and I got myself right. And I have not left since. I haven't left. And so with, with that and, and not leaving and, and, you know, again, thank you for sharing that. Mental health is very important. Um, you know, you kind of went into the world of not only swimming competitive, but also lifeguarding. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, can you, can you, I guess, walk through the balance of like 
you know, the psychology and also like, you know, just a lot of people just think that sometimes lifeguarding or just, you know, well, let's start here. Sorry, let me back up. What have been some of the benefits that you've used for swimming and psychology and how they align? Well, you know, water, um, a lot of people, especially, you know, our people are afraid of water. What do you mean our people? Our people, black people. Oh, black people. Black people. Blackity black. Are afraid of water. Um, I'm pretty sure every black person listening to this podcast knows somebody, if not themselves, knows somebody who would say, like, I ain't going near that water. Right. Or I ain't touching that. Or well, go to a pool party and only put their feet in. Right. Or they might say, water her. Water. Right. right. Thank you. Instead oh. of water. But, I, yeah, it just depends on where they're at. He loves to make fun of my <laughs> accent. He loves to I make did, fun I of my accent. I did cut up all weekend. But I yes. didn't even know I had an accent until this man came in my life, but whatever. But, you know, like you were saying, yeah, like, you know, a lot of people will go to, um, you know, pool parties or a lot of people will go to, mm-hmm. you know, quote unquote, they'll go to the beach and, and keep their socks on. Like, I don't mm-hmm. like my feet in this, you know, water. That's a whole other story. It's but. a whole other thing, but it's psychological. Mm. It's all a mental barrier because you're a swimmer, Jordan. You know, if you jump into a pool, water responds to your emotional state. Yeah. If you are panicked, if you are anxious, if you are fearful, that water is going to pull you down. It's going to swallow you it's up. It's going to swallow you up. But if you are calm, if you are relaxed, if you surrender, you will float. Water responds to your emotions. It's one of the four elements that rules our being as humans on this earth. It responds to our emotions. And so... I saw as a lifeguard, like as a young lifeguard, I got this job, my first lifeguard job at 15 and a half. You know, I was fresh off the swim team. Great Great money. That was why I did it. (laughs) Lifeguarding is good money, and it was easy for me because I was a swimmer. Yeah. Right. So I just did it then. But as a lifeguard working, I saw how many of my folk could not swim, and I would save my people majority of my rescues were of my cousins you know what i'm saying or just working at black pools when i would go up to to north atlanta and work at some bougie all white pool i wouldn't even have to i, I was just being paid to sit you just representation i was just representation but if i lifeguard in my hood that was a day to work that was a day where i'm i'm getting at least two three saves in Honestly, and that was frustrating. Yeah. That that bothered me so bad because I had been blessed with this gift of swimming. I know how to save my life in a pool, but I also know so many people who do not know that. And I know people who have drowned. Yeah. It's because it's a life or death skill that like I don't understand why systemic racism has a place. It's a, it's a public health issue. Black people drown at a rate five times more likely than white folks. That is a public health issue, especially in a city like Atlanta that is largely in part black. Yeah. Yeah, and, and that's that's a really good point. I think the other thing about, you know, like you were talking about not only elements and all this stuff, but the anxiety that goes into being around water or water safety, water, you know, uh, anything that has to do with water um, in that nature. Um, 
but like you were saying with, with like preventable and systematically, you know, can you talk through, I guess, I think we had talked about it once when you took me on like a tour of Atlanta, but like what a pool might look like in your area Ooh, versus a child. pool. Yeah. Come on, child. Ooh. Come on, Systemic child. racism at its finest. So to give y'all a little history lesson. History. Um, In the 1960s, I want to say 65, but don't quote me. Um, in the 1960s, uh, pools were integrated. Right, and so majority of the pools were in white neighborhoods, of course, because America was built on the backs of black folks. We know this, right? Pools were in white neighborhoods, but the law dictated when integration happened. The law dictated that black folks are be allowed pool time, and so they would have colored pool, colored swim. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? But white people, racist, racist white people is what I'm gonna say. Racist people who did not want black folks to swim. They would pour bleach and acetone into the pool. They would uh, they would say things like, black people are dirty. You see their skin is all brown, they're dirty. So you have to drain a pool after a black person puts their toe in it. But those that's gallons and gallons and gallons of water. Yeah. That's money it take, it take being days, pumping out of the system. Right, so like imagine your city uh, being forced to integrate your pools but they feel the need to drain the pool every time a black person gets in it. So what? We're talking about a couple thousand dollars too, by the way, guys. Facts. <laughs> it's a couple thousand dollars to drain it and, and redo a pool. And redo a pool. Yeah. It's it's ridiculous, and it takes days, like you said. Yeah. It's ridiculous. It's just not. They would say things like, uh, "White women beware of swimming in pools that black men have been in because they're going to try and rape you under the water." It makes no sense, yeah. but it feeds the narrative of black people being less than black people being sexually aggressive, and it it's so hurtful. But because that happened, white people fled. It was called white flight, right? White people fled to uh, members-only clubs, country clubs, and uh, private-owned pools that weren't, uh, that didn't have to abide by the city ordinance, right? So they priced out black people for being able to swim, and this currently exists. If you pick up a swimsuit, that's $75. If you, if you want to get your kid on the swim team, that's at least $150 a month, yep. right? Swim caps, $25. Goggles. Goggles, $35. You know what I'm saying? And then... Don't catch swimmers here. Jeez. That's a whole extra. Oh, and then black hair. Maintaining black hair while swimming. Yeah. We were priced out. So it wasn't... And it, it's like, oh, the pool is integrated. You know what I'm saying? But black people just can't afford to come to this pool. So the pools that were left, the city pools that were left after the white people fled, they were dilapidated. They they literally... A great word choice. Thank you. They literally run down. A, like, there's a pool in Atlanta, Georgia, to this day, 2021. It's called Thomasville Pool. That pool is, is, is shameful. That pool does not have working water fountains. That pool does not have benches. That pool does not have umbrellas for lifeguards. So lifeguards are susceptible to heat stroke. That pool is dangerous. Yet the city of Atlanta still keeps it open because they pay the, the, the city pays for it. The constituents right. pays to have that pool open. The same people who pay for a beautiful pool. Piedmont, uh, Piedmont Park's pool is gorgeous. Water slides. 
dozens of lifeguards, concession stands, benches, lounge chairs, all that, right? The same people, the same constituents that pay tax dollars to maintain that pool pay for Thomasville pool that doesn't even have a working water fountain. The only difference is Piedmont Park is in a white neighborhood and Thomasville is in a black neighborhood. So the systemic racism that exists in aquatics is prevalent in 2021. It has not gone away. Right, we are back. It is still, say loud, it is still your host, Jordan Hunter, and we are still here with an ATLian. 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 Shout out to Outcast. Shouty. Um, <laughs> getting into it. Um, now that I've got you up and going on, on, you know, a very important, we call it a soapbox, but a very important standard and soapbox to talk about. Um, you saw a need. And you and a few people created what we know as empowered swimming. Yep. Can you talk about what, well, I think we have an idea of what started it, but what, I guess, really pushed it over to like, we got to create something, we got to change it. Um, you know, we had all of those reasons, you know, all the reasons that keep black people out of aquatic education. That was one part. So uh, myself and three other black women who are also swim instructors, um, we honestly were just fed up because the four of us, we all were professionals in the field. We heavily certified, got you know, more than 10 years of experience working at pools. I can walk into a pool deck and smell if chlorine is in the pool, like we that pH, yes, the like levels, yep. I already I know what's going on just by walking onto a pool deck. I we are professionals mm. and we own our professionality. Is that a word? Yep, we're gonna right. make it a word. We're gonna make it a word. We own that, right? Mm -hmm. We we don't doubt it. So we were we grew tired of having to drive 35, 45 plus minutes to uh, give communities our skill set. You know what I'm saying? Because our community where we lived could not afford us. I charged $25 an hour to lifeguard for me to sit. Mm. It, baseline, base level $25 an hour. I deserve more because my credentials, my credentials say that I deserve more. But, you know, I can't get paid $25 an hour at Thomasville Pool, a pool that can't afford to get working water fountains. What would they charge? What would they pay somebody? Eight fifty. Their lifeguards get paid eight fifty by the city of Atlanta, and Atlanta should honestly be ashamed. Mm. But if I go up to Canton, Georgia, which is 45 minutes north of Thomasville Pool, I get paid what I deserve. Mm. Because that community understands the value of aquatic education. Whereas in the black community, the narrative black people don't swim is accepted. Right. It's accepted. And so you guys created, um, you know, the, the business, the mm -hmm. brand. And can you kind of talk about we where the created, name comes from and all that? I can. We we created Empowered Swimming Incorporated because, one, we grew tired of taking our skill set to another community while our community suffered. And two, because we understand that it's not our community's fault 
Mm. We, our community has been suffocated by systemic racism from all aspects. Aquatics has an adverse relationship with black people and black people have an adverse relationship with aquatics. And so that's what we aim to heal. And so we created Empowered Swimming Incorporated because we want to empower our community to learn how to swim. Majority of our, the work that we do is aquatic education because people just don't know. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Growing up 2021, you think that you can survive by just not going to a pool. Oh, I don't know how to swim. Well, I just won't go to the pool. Yeah, but and, and that's fine. And that's fine, unquote, right? right? Yeah. If that's how you want to live, Live your life. I'm not going to tell you you're wrong. Right. And nobody's going nobody's to press you. Nobody's going to yeah. press you because black people don't swim, right? But let's say y'all want to take a girl's trip to, to Cancun. Or fellas. Fellas, we, we, going, to, uh, <laughs> we going to Cabo. Fellas, fellas going to Cabo, right? Y'all yeah. want to get on jet skis and stuff because that's fun. Yeah. But you can't because you are terrified of the water. Yeah, but I can't let them know. You can't let them know. So you go out into the water anyway, and right? Your pride. Your pride tells you to go out into that water in it anyway, and you fall into that water, and you have a traumatic experience. And now. And now. I don't want to go back. You don't want to touch the water again. I don't want to go anywhere where there's water at. Mm -mm. When it rains, when it rains, you are triggered. You are triggered. So this is psychological warfare we're dealing with. Mm. Psychological warfare. And so we're simply denying ourselves a, a, a right, a natural born right because the system told us that we didn't deserve it. Yeah. And so our like my company, my nonprofit, we are here to empower. We are not here to shame. I'm not here to tell you you're wrong for not learning how to swim. No, I get it. I get it. But I want to empower you. I want to show you black people who have succeeded. Mm -hmm. I want you to know who Cullen Jones is. I want you to know who Simone Manuels is. I want you to know the black swim teams in your community. Yeah. So you can see black and brown kids Shout out Jamil excelling. Hill too. Jamil Hill out there too. Yes. Yeah, my guy. Good friend. Paralympic swimmer. Good friend of mine. You know, like we want we want to empower the community to learn how to swim. Yeah. Because it's a life-saving skill. Drowning is 100% preventable. Therefore, swim lessons should be 100% accessible. Mm. But it's not because the system tells us that we do not deserve it. And I don't accept that. Yeah. And so even on top of that, which, which is very powerful to talk about, on top of just teaching kids to swim, you guys also, or is it you personally, um, like teaching lifeguards? I to, do that like, personally, yeah. Got you. And I mean, but, you know, even even trying to push that narrative of getting more black kids into mm -hmm. that opportunity because, um, you know, I kind of touched on it earlier um, in a post or I think on the story when I was with you is, you know, like water and swimming for the both of us has given us friendships and network mm -hmm. community. It's given us access mm -hmm. and exposure and it's also given us monetary benefits, um, you know, and it's 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 a lot bigger, you know, than you. sometimes we get to the kids and they don't know how to swim. And we're the first persons that they've ever that known that look like them who can teach them to swim. And then you have kids that might know how to swim, but now they're learning how to progress that. They're mm -hmm. learning how to make it competitive. They're learning how to turn it into lifeguarding. They're mm -hmm. learning how to, to be ready for open water. Mm -hmm. um, you know, what, um, I guess, what's been the, the greatest thing, achievement you've seen now through Empowered Swimming? 
And how long have you guys? How long? How long has this been created for now? Um, we have been incorporated for three years. Okay. We are a registered five hundred one c three. Lit. Um, my my greatest accomplishment. I don't think I've hit it yet. Mm. I don't think we have we have hit it yet. But I will say the most eye opening moment for me um, was when I was contracted to teach lifeguarding in Alpharetta and Alpharetta is a mm, Caucasian city I can't even I can't even think of any other way to see uh say it but it's very Caucasian okay I had a class of 22 students 22 all of them were white every single one of them I didn't get an Asian not a Hispanic not a black all were white and they asked me some of the most inappropriate questions, but I don't, I didn't like judge them for it or blame them because they, they literally did not know. Mm. Like they would be like, so wait, you can swim? And I'm like, uh, I am your instructor. Yeah. So you think? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, oh, okay. They literally didn't know. Mm. You know? Oh, wait, you work here? I'm wearing your uniform. <laughs> I have keys to open the pool. Not only do I work here, I'm a supervisor. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I didn't know y'all could be supervisors. Microaggressive racist comments that they didn't even realize were racist, right? So I was getting frustrated. Frustrated. I had a class of 22 Anglo-Saxons and... The Anglo-Saxons you know are what I'm saying? And like, I, y'all asking me stupid ass questions like, can I swim? Mm. I was frustrated. But no, I called my dad. I called my father to get some of his wisdom. And I was like, Dad, I'm teaching this class of white people and it's bothering me because my community is drowning. Mm. But I'm giving the skills to another community. And he said, Todd, switch your perspective. You are probably the first black person that they have ever seen at a pool and you are their instructor. You are teaching them how to save lives, and they will never forget that. So I promise you, all 22 of those students can never honestly say that they didn't think black people could swim because their certification has a black woman's name on it, and I got a black name. You know I'm not white. Taj Omari, I am not white. <laughs> Yo, I'm weak. You see my name on a certification, you can think I'm Indian or I'm black. That's my only two options. Yeah. That's a beautiful perspective. Shout, shout out to shout, shout out, out to, to the wisdom, dad. you know what I'm saying? Shout out to my dad, um, but that was my greatest accomplishment. Yeah. Working in this nonprofit field yeah. thus far. And uh I guess the other question I have about that is um, you know, this weekend was a, an event that you guys hosted, mm-hmm. one of many, um, another successful one. Congratulations. Thank you, sir. Thank you. How did it feel to, you know, I guess, flex around and still make it work all around COVID? And what, what was your event? Can you can you kind of briefly talk about can it? Break it down. Yeah, yeah, break it down for it I real can. quick. I uh, can. First, I want to give you your roses for coming out here and, and rocking with me like uh, this man went above and beyond for, for our calls. And I thank you, Jordan. One one thousand percent. I thank you. <laughs> but um, the event was called the Empowered Swimathon. So, like everybody in every company, twenty twenty had us messed up, especially as a nonprofit that is considered quote unquote recreational. 
Mm. Right? Mm. Pools closed. Gyms closed. closed. Swim lessons closed. closed. Like, shut down. So, 2020 was rough for us, but, you know, can't stop, won't stop. You know what I mean? Shout out to Diddy. Right. So, we had to pivot. We had to, to think of a way to still fundraise, to still get the word out there. Because what our company does, Empowered Swimming Incorporated grants scholarships to provide tuition assistance for swim lessons and aquatic product giveaways. So basically, let's say you can't afford to put your kids in swim lessons. You apply for the Empowered Scholarship. We pay for your swim lessons and we'll lace your kids in Nike swim gear. Shout out to Nike. Shout out to Nike. We'll do that. Um, But 2020 took away a lot of our options because we couldn't raise as many funds. Nike couldn't donate as many products. It was was tough for everyone. And so what we did was... um, we created a virtual worldwide fundraiser so called the Empowered Swimathon. So swimmers from around the world, we had participants in Ireland, Nigeria, Portugal. It was amazing, right? Um, and all over the U.S. They swam and recorded their laps on their phone. Everyone social distance. Swim where you can swim, mm. right? Swim and record your laps on your phone. To thank you for participating, I'm going to send you a Nike swim a Nike swim swimsuit. Okay. Right. Was that an exclusive? Did they exclusive. know that? Exclusive. Exclusive. There was a there was an official. I worked it out with Nike. There was an official Empowered Swimathon suit. I sent it to every participant. They got a soul cap swim cap. Shout out to uh, the UK. Soul Cap is a black owned swim cap company that makes caps that will actually keep someone with thick long hair dry mm. while they swim and um one less excuse ladies and gentlemen one less excuse one less excuse so we linked up with these companies uh we incentivized our participants and we're taking their lap videos and we're sending them to sponsors we're sending them to companies that have um like verbally Announce that they support drowning initiatives. You know what I'm saying? And so you can, I'm just like, you know, you can sponsor little, little Jimmy's laps. Mm-hmm. You can sponsor little Timmy's laps. So Jordan came out uh, all the way from Inglewood, California to thank Atlanta, you, thank, Georgia. First of all, thank you for getting that right. <laughs> I, listen, I live in Los Angeles, but if he, I live in Inglewood, California. <laughs> thank, thank you. Inglewood. So uh, he came all the way out from the wood and swam and we recorded the laps I swam in the na- in the lane next to him and he was on Instagram and Facebook live talking about everything swimming and blackness and life and aquatics and aquatics and it was a great time we had a great time and the sole purpose of the of that Instagram and Facebook live was awareness you know we really our main focus is just getting this information out there just educating people so that this narrative black people can't, don't, won't swim can literally be eliminated. And last but not least, before I hop on my flights, we're parked in the airport. <laughs> I couldn't think of another rhyme to rhyme, but last piece. Um, no, I, you know, I'm, I'm really, really thankful that, uh, one, this worked out in the way it did and, you know, to be a part of it and to come out here and not just like 
make it seem like, you know, I was coming out here just to like, I ain't have a pool, so I needed a pool. Because that'd be a very expensive excuse to just say to that. To just swim, yeah. Um, but to come out here and, because we met based on swimming. We actually, yeah. fun fact, guys, we actually met each other. I forgot how, but via social Instagram. media, Instagram DMs. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes, hey, fellas and ladies, it's okay to shoot your shot and not in a sexual way. <laughs> Shooting your shot can get you did the I, next job you need. Did I shoot my shot or did you shoot your shot? I think you shot and asked me about swimming. Shoot or shoot. Shoot or shoot. But nonetheless, <laughs> it worked out and here we are. Um, but, you know, going, going forth with aquatic uh, education, mm-hmm. access, empowered swimming, mm-hmm. um, Taj Amari as a person, you know, what... What are the continuous aspirations, not only this year, but, you know, going forward that you uh, that you feel good about or you're manifesting about or you're praying about, um, or, you know, taking those steps towards the next? Good question. Um, Full of them. Yeah. Yes. You I are. try to be. <laughs> I I'm always looking to improve myself and improve my company. And. um Every fundraiser that we host, every every meeting that we have, every social media post we put out there is an opportunity for us to get better, mm. to reach more people, to, to come up with more compelling stories, to you know, to, to encourage more people to, to apply for our scholarship. And so on a business front, my goal um, for the company, for the nonprofit, is to be the largest minority um, swim lesson provider. The largest. I know there are a lot of other swim lesson um, nonprofits. Shout out to Hope Floats. Like we are negotiating a partnership with them as we speak. Um, shout out to the Michael Phelps Foundation. Coach um, Phelps, ASU. Michael Phelps. Oh, what's another one? I'm trying to pull them off the top uh, of my swim head. Swim uphill. Swim uphill. Shout out to Jamal who uh, participated in the swimathon. And then Cullen Jones has one too. Cullen Jones. Uh, you know, Cullen Jones founded um, Make a Splash. Okay. Which is huge. Fun fact. A huge one. He founded that. He yeah. no longer is like uh, running it yeah. right now, but he was he was part of the founding team. So there are a lot because drowning's huge. Yeah. And it's it's a it's a yeah, let's Awful. forget about everything else besides drowning is huge. Drowning is huge regardless that's of pool, your demographic. That's pool, that's that's water, that's lakes. ocean, that's lakes, that's rivers, Honestly, that's showers. that's bathtubs. Yeah, that's bathtubs, yeah. that's, that's shallow water blackouts. Mm-hmm. There's a lot. So. Mm-hmm. It's a lot. And yeah. so base level, that is what, that's what needs to be eradicated. Mm. Drowning, because like I said earlier, it's 100%, it's 100% preventable. Mm. Right? Um, it's one of the only deaths that's 100% preventable. Um, so my goal is to be and to build Empowered Swimming Incorporated to be the largest minority. I use the word, the term, uh, marginalized community a lot. Uh, but what I mean is black folk. Okay. <laughs> That's what I mean. Respect. Um, to be the largest scholarship provider for minority communities, um, to participate in aquatics. Taj Omari personally, though, um, my love for psychology never left. I know I had a traumatic experience at the mental hospital, but like I said, it was a traumatic blessing. And it was a blessing because it helped steer me to what I actually want and need to do. And so I'm a swim coach. I'm a swim instructor. I absolutely love being a swim instructor. I honestly love it more than I love being a a business owner. Facts. Um, Because I get to see 
and interact and interact and and it's tangible evidence of the impact that I have made and that feeling is insurmountable yeah insurmountable so um Taj Omari I'm currently in grad school advancing my uh, my psychology degree um I have created a program an aqua therapy program that combines my knowledge of therapeutic methods with my knowledge of swim instructing so if you are afraid of the water, you come see me. I'm going to break that fear. Mm. And I want y'all to hear my confidence in that. Like, I know what I'm doing. You want an instructor who's confident. I can break your fear. Um, but personally, I don't want to teach swim lessons for the rest of my life. I want my company to be on autopilot. I want to be like, you know, Elon Musk or something. He not... <laughs> Elon is not worried about Tesla. Shout out Dogecoin. Elon's not worried Dogecoin. about whatever space shuttle he Shit, that man trying to take us to space. Yeah, he's, he's not trying to take us out. Elon signs checks, he approves budgets, he he hosts meetings every month. He be on Clubhouse. He be on Clubhouse and he going about his life. Yeah. And that's where I want Empowered Swimming to be. I want to be able to call my board and be like, y'all good? Yup. We done gave out two thousand scholarships. Bet. Yeah, and they hang up the phone. All right, I'm gonna holler at you. All right, then I'm gonna All right, then, my boy. <laughs> That's what I want Empower Swimming to be. Yeah. I want to crank out scholarships like it's nothing. Yeah. Like it's nothing. But Taj Omari, personally, I'm, I am in graduate school to be a marriage, family, and sex therapist. Um, I know it seems so unrelated, but. I love therapy. Yeah, the I love mental. Therapy. Yeah, the mental aspect of everything is so important. It's, it's important. It's a it's a piece of the foundation. Mm-hmm. So I think it's very important, like you said, and um, you know, um, sorry, I was talking about mental health, and, and I was going to say the blockage of like a governor on a car is pretty much the same thing that a lot of people would have in their minds when they say, "I can't, I can't, right. I won't, I'm unable to," or the traumatic experience. It's mm-hmm. it's rebuilding the trust, but also pulling that or finding the root of it and plucking it off and then you know re re refoundalize or refound uh, re man lay, base laying it back down I know you, what you, you get what i'm saying i know what you're saying hey, y'all leave me y'all leave me alone all right <laughs> um but last question i love to ask everybody Ooh, and i'm great. always continue it is um taj mm-hmm. is standing up in front of an empowered or we're just going to say a program a swim program and you're talking to kids who look like you, little mm-hmm. black women, um, little black men, um, people of color, mm-hmm. coaches, everything, people who want to own pools and all that stuff. Um, and you're speaking not only for you, but you're also speaking for Empowered Swimming. Mm-hmm. What would your speech say? I would say, and it sounds so cliche, but I would say believe in yourself because you are powerful. You can do it. Regardless of the barriers, regardless of what people say, regardless of the lack of representation that you find in the field, you can do it. Like, anything is possible. It sounds so cliche, but it's, it's, it's the truth. It is the truth. You know, the people who are most successful, they believed that they could attain that level of success. Success begets success. Mm. It does. And it starts with your mental state. If you know the same way I know that I could break someone's fear of water, if you know that you can do something, then you are going to do it. 
And every time you get knocked on your ass, you're going to get back up because you know that you are capable. So anybody that has anything to say that that is the opposite of what you know, you're going to just reject it. It's going to roll off your shoulders. That's just like somebody telling me, you know, what I'm saying I'm a German. I <laughs> I can be German in your eyes. Cool. But I know for a fact that I am a black woman that grew up in East Atlanta, Georgia. Fuck you mean. <laughs> like, you can tell me I'm German all you want to, but I'm not going to believe it mm. because I know who I am. I know that I am capable of swimming. So if you know something about yourself without a shadow of a doubt, if you know you can be successful in something without a shadow of a doubt, you will. Mm. Period. So that's what I would tell little black boys, little black girls is if you believe you can achieve. <laughs> I feel it. I feel it. Well, hey, to wrap this up you again, thank you so much for not only hosting me, for giving me the Atlanta experience as always, always. Um, you know, but really just continuing to push the narrative in a different region. Um, it's really, really dope and amazing to know that. You know, when you think you're fighting something that other people don't believe in or so low in percentage mm -hmm. of what we are, it's really dope to see and quote unquote meet another unicorn. I felt the same way when I met you. So, you know, I want to... the exact same way. Yeah. And I want to, you know, I want to give you your flowers. I want to give you the garden. I want to give you the, you the seeds to go plant in other people. Um, but in order for us to plant seeds and people want to be like, I want to plant a seed and empower, how do we stay in contact with you? How do we, you know what I'm saying? How do we show love and support? Like, how do we say you're amazing, Taj? Oh, well, um, you can find us on social media at Empowered Swimming Inc. I-N-C, uh, Facebook, Instagram. Um, and you can uh, reach out to us via Gmail, EmpoweredSwimmingInc at gmail.com. If you want to find me personally, Coach Taj, um, my Instagram is Taj, T-A-J-Y, as in yellow, and O-M-A-R-I. That's my name, Taj Yasmin Omari. I'm real basic on the social, y'all. I'm a millennial, but I do not enjoy... She's an Amish millennial. I am an Amish millennial. I don't enjoy social media because... The same way I enjoy coaching, like I want to be, yeah, in the in the present, and I feel like when you're when we're on our phones, it's a barrier. I like I that. can't feel the energy of who I'm, who I'm talking to, you know. So my social media presence is weak. I ain't even gonna front on myself. But empowered is cracking. That's that's all y'all need you. to know. Shout out to my intern. Shout yeah. out to my team. Yeah, you gotta have a good team behind you to be able to do this work. You yeah. have to have a good team, and I have a solid team with me, and um, I'm so grateful for them because they do run my social media. And I teamwork don't. makes the dream work, the ladies dream and work. gentlemen. But that is all we have. I'm getting ready to get on this flight back to the West yes, Coast. Safe getting back to Cali. Thank you kindly. But you guys have tuned into another episode of the Greatest Sail Out Podcast. Thank you so much. Always, always, always shout out to www.sayaloudmedia.org. That is the website you can get to the legacy program and our philanthropy. Uh, you can get to the podcast that's available on Apple, uh, or Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, um, and also YouTube. Um, and we also have our videos up there and we always have who we are and what we're about on there as well. And again, till the next time, I see you guys on the last day of February. We say stay black and stay woke and don't forget to wash your ass. <laughs> I holla. <laughs>